Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. It's not just for contracting officers. If you're anywhere in the government acquisition world, this podcast is for you. Today we're talking contract scope and how it impacts the government's ability to process or authorize contract changes. This podcast is brought to you by Skyway Acquisition. Visit skywayacq.com to learn more. Okay, let's get started. Is this work in scope? Let's contracting officers speak for. Does it fit on the contract? Yeah, I'd say, is is that what this contract is for? Well, that's, that's, that, that sounds more official. So an in-scope change fits in the contract. An, an out-of-scope change does not fit in the contract. That sounds simple enough, right? Yeah, before we get into that, let's stop and say thanks. Thanks this week goes to Michael... Malfatani. Uh, Michael is a director of business development at TransPerfect, and he's in the Phoenix, Arizona area. I want to thank Michael for liking and engaging our podcast episodes on YouTube and then connecting with us on LinkedIn. And by engaging with our podcast episodes on YouTube, that's one of the ways that more people are finding our podcasts. And this helps us make government contracting better one contract, one contract at, a time. at a time. I thought I'd say that with you this time, like, like we had that planned out. Yeah, right. I, I knew that's where you're headed. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Michael. We appreciate it. All right. Back to scope. What is scope? It, it's, it's the purpose of the contract. What, what will the contractor do? How long they'll do it for? Or when will they deliver what, whatever we agreed to have, have delivered? And the result of that is the price that the government will pay. That The price is sort of like that, that boundary setter. If you do more work or less work, then originally agreed to, the price is going to change. Which leads me to, there's two ways to consider scope. The first way is, it's the line between what you included in that price and, hey, this is a change to what we agreed to that's going to cost you money if you want to want to change it. Is it within that the boundaries of the agreement? And that that's sort of self-evident. Right. If if you hire someone to paint the main floor of your house and you agree on a price for that and it's going to take them a week and you say, hey, now I want you to paint the second floor. Well, they're going to ask for more money. Right. That is and not likely more time yeah, and likely more time. Yeah. Great point. That is not what we're talking about today. What we're talking about is the unique nature of government competition requirements. The government can't compete or award a contract based on one scope and then have the contract execute a different scope that that really wouldn't be considered fair to the folks that competed for the original contract and and lost it's it's sort of like awarding a contract for someone to paint your house and then saying well while you're here why don't you build a deck on, on the back of the house you knew i'd get a deck in into the podcast you, so while you're here just throw a deck on the back of my house that that's different, right? If you hired him, if you ran a competition to paint the whole house and you said, can you paint one more room? Well, that's probably in scope and sort of mostly what we ran the competition for, but building the deck, that is something different. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So we talked a little bit about what is in scope. What is out of scope? So out of scope work is the work that's not directly related to that purpose and the schedule that we talked about a minute ago in the original contract. So an example in in government speak, we have a a contract to deliver a network support software product and then support it for a year. 
Okay, that's what the contract is for. An out-of-scope change would be something like adding services to provide training. Remember, the contract wasn't for training. It was to provide a product. Now we're going to add training on some other software product, like, like Outlook or something, something not even related to what the contract is for. That's an out-of-scope change. And to your point, if you and I had a contract for software and we wanted to have them train us on something, we just add it. It's a commercial contract. We, that's okay. In the government, that's an out-of-scope change. Another example would be providing office space for 100 people in the Alexandria, Virginia area around D.C. An out-of-scope change would be, okay, no, actually, we want 200, we want office space for 200 people, and we want that office space to be in Alexandria and Los Angeles and Seattle. Right. It completely changed the structure. It, that's, a, that's a different job. I mean, it's, it's similar, but man, that's so much more that maybe a different class of, of company would, would be competing for that. Where, where this gets tricky, and this is the, the hard part of being a contracting officer, is what if the change is, instead of an office space for 100 people in Alexandria, we want office space for 110 people in Alexandria. Is that in scope or out of scope? Ooh, scary. All right, let's talk, let's talk about- <laughs> There's talk a whole topic how, in there. Yeah, let's talk about how we get through that. A government acquisition, whether it's competed or a sole source award, defines a specific scope of work. If that scope is changed significantly after award, you may have invalidated- the original competition or sole source justification. And if that happens, you may be in line for a protest from the competitors or other companies that didn't get the original contract. If you're changing the nature of the contract or adding work to it that's out of scope, it probably means that you need to run a new competition or write a new sole source justification to award that work. And you use the word significantly. Does 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 the con has the contract been changed significantly? And the definition of significant, or I guess the application of significant, is the whole crux here, because the contracting officer is the one that decides what's in and what's out of scope, and whether or not a new justification approval has to be written, etc. Yeah, it's right out of the FAR. This is a contracting officer responsibility FAR one point six zero two two is responsibilities, and it says contracting officers are responsible for ensuring performance of all necessary actions for effective contracting, ensuring compliance with the terms of the contract, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Again, like we always say, being a contracting officer is a thinking job, and this is one of those things where it's not clear. When you, when a, when you run across that office space for 100 people versus office space for 110 people, versus office space for 200 people, when have you crossed the line between in-scope and out-of-scope? A professor at the Defense Acquisition University weighed in uh, when, uh, to a, a question that was asked about this very topic. What they said was, because contracting officers have basic responsibility for modifying contracts and for promoting full and open competition, the authority for determining that in and out-of-scope rests with the contracting officer and the use of sound business judgment. I've never heard that before. Yeah, sound business judgment. That's the that's the thinking job, right? That's throughout yes, the throughout the far. This is why contracting officers' jobs can be difficult. All right, let's link this to the acquisition and execution time zones. 
pre-award in the acquisition time zones, it starts in the market research zone. So you have a requirement, you get to the market research zone. This is when you're deciding what is the scope of this acquisition? What are we going to buy? What are we going to tell offers to bid to? How long will the work last? What type of work? What will be delivered? When will it be delivered? From that, they write a request for proposal and contractors bid on that specific scope. We're going to award a contract for you to do this. That's what the competition is all about. Or if you've gone sole source, you write a justification that I don't have to compete this because for one of the exceptions that are defined in the FAR, this is the only contractor that can do this right now. So the decision of what the scope of the contract will be based on what you just walked through is made in the market research zone. So you can't go back and change that overall without a separate approval or a new acquisition or something. But this determination of in or out of scope is going to be based on what we bought and how we bought it in this contract. Yep. And then you award that contract and you're in the execution time zones. And where does this occur? This is the performance zone, right? That's that's when the work is occurring. If you decide at this point you want to add work or change the work, that's where the decision needs to be made. Is this in scope or out of scope? If it's in scope, you can add it to this contract and it continues on. If it's out of scope, eh, you got to go back to the acquisition time zones and either recompete or process another <laughs> justification and approval to do the sole source work on the current contract. If you're not familiar with the acquisition time zones, we cover those in episode number three. And the execution time zones, we cover those in episode 372. So how do I know if it's out of scope? Seems simple enough. In scope is within the intent of the current contract, the contract that was originally awarded. Out of scope is not within the scope of that contract. It's not in, in, with the... It, it's not with inside the original intent. Yeah. If, if only it were that simple. <laughs> of course. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it is. Because it's not always that easy, the GAO, uh, the Government Accountability Office, has had to weigh in on this many, many times. And to the GAO, the scope determination, in or out of scope, is based on the extent of the changes regarding the type of work the performance period, and the, the resulting costs between the modification and the original contract. So going back to the painting the house thing, if you have a contractor you've hired to paint your house and you want them to paint an additional room, that's a similar type of work. If you want them to build a deck on the back of the house, it might not be the same type of work. If it's a service contract, if you'd hire someone to mow the lawn for a year and you want them to mow the lawn for 13 months. Well, that's pretty close. If you want to have them do it for five years, eh, that's way beyond what you originally intended with the contract. And linking that to costs, if it costs 10% more than the original contract, that's one thing. If it costs 100% more than the original contract, that's a big change. Another way the GAO describes this is whether or not you adequately advise offers of the potential for a change. So if we said this is contract is going to be for at least a year and then it ends up being 13 months, that's a month longer. In fact, there's even a clause in most contracts called the option to extend services that lets you extend the contract by up to six months. That's a slight change versus if you increased it to five years, yeah. did you adequately advise people that it was going to be that big? That's a big change. Yep. 
Another is, could the change reasonably have been anticipated? And like, like you're saying, adding that clause that <laughs> the extension by six months, yeah, you anticipate that they might actually use that clause. If we're talking about a landscaping contract, could you reasonably anticipate that there could be a, a delay in awarding the next contract uh, due to a continuing resolution or, or one of something like that, and maybe it would need to be extended by a month? You might anticipate that. You couldn't reasonably anticipate that it would go five times as long. It really comes down to whether the, the difference in the scope materially changed the field of competition for the requirement. If you want to go back to that little painting example, if you ran a competition for house painters and you need a little more paint, you award a contract and you need a little more painting, it was still the same painters that were competing for that, would have competed had that little more painting been included in the original contract. A little more painting is official term. Yeah. If you want to add a deck, well, then maybe the field of competition would have been Contractors that do painting and decks or deck contractors that also have contractor. painters as, as a, as a subcontractor, right? It would have, it would have been a diff, you would have got, had different people bid on it if, if what you're adding to this contract would have been in the original competition, right? That's, that could be a problem and it leads to protests. Yeah, bottom line, is there a substantial difference between the contract that the contracting officer originally awarded and the new contract? And, and those examples we just gave, that's the definition of, of, of substantial. It's, what's the word significantly changed? Is if it's significantly changed with, and the field of competition is probably my, my favorite example, is if different people would have bid, it's probably out of scope. If we're looking at this from the government side, as we've mentioned, it, the, the government's going to care if it causes them more work and gets them in, in legal trouble. But let's let's talk about in-scope changes. Why should the government care about in-scope changes? How does that help or hurt? An in-scope change can be an effective way to award faster by modifying the existing contract and just adding work to it. I mean, this this is, this is would skip the acquisition time zones, this skips the competition, and, and it meets the mission. I mean, these are all good things. Yeah. Uh, just adding work to a contract, is it's the path of least resistance because you've already got a vehicle you can put the work on, a contract vehicle you can put the work on. Yeah. It can be a seductively easy solution, though, because it can lead to the potential of making out-of-scope changes. It's a slippery slope. This is why the contracting officer has to be careful in making these decisions, because if the change is actually out of scope, if you've changed the terms, the intent of that original competition or the original sole source justification that, that allowed you to award the contract, this could be a protestable situation or or you could get a, a lawsuit i guess same thing a protest is is essentially a lawsuit no longer a path of least resistance <laughs> exactly <laughs> right the the contractors that originally would have bid on it or would have been capable of doing what you've now changed this contract into are going to say hey that's not what we competed on that's not what you competed if you would have included this the first time we would have won that that's a problem for the government there's also performance risk and, and, and mission impact here. What, ha what can happen by adding out-of-scope work is we have misaligned expertise because if the contract was to, to buy painting and now we're adding a, a deck, we went from painters to carpenters. It's a different skill set. And so does a government customer want the deck put on by painters? 
Probably not. Right. I mean, it might not be level. They may not use the same footers. I mean, they may use the wrong type of wood. Right. Out of scope for the contract might it might also be out of scope for the contractor's capabilities. It could also cost the government more because if you're adding work to the current contract, you're not getting pricing based on that that competitive basis that you started with. You're it's a sole source negotiation where the contractor might not be as price competitive had they been if they're they're legitimate competitors for it. And like you said, if if they don't understand the work as well, if your painting company is saying, sure, we can do a deck, they may completely over or underestimate the cost to do to build a deck, right? They they may screw it up and have to do things twice. It may take three times as long to build the deck. Like you said, it's a slippery slope. From the industry side, if you have an existing contract, in scope or out of scope isn't a really big deal because everything is in scope. If you want to add more work to my contract and pay me to do it, I will do it. Your job in on the industry side is to convince the government to just just put it on this contract. It's fine. There's nothing out of scope to you, right? If they if they want to pay you to do more work, you'll do it. You'll find somebody to you'll figure out how to build that deck. Even if you've never built a deck before, if they want to pay for it, you'll do it. <laughs> but, However, yeah, there's again, it's like you said, it's seductive. More work seems like a good thing. Sure, we'll do that. But if it requires you to hire new people, if it, if it requires you to hire a, a crew of people that to, to build a deck or, or find a new subcontractor or vendor, or if it's a really big job, so, suddenly it's, it's remodeled the whole house. Now you're a general contractor and <laughs> that comes with management and integrating and deconfliction. And it comes with the, the pricing issues that I, I talked about before, right? Do you know how to price the construction of a deck on a house? There's a lot of risk in in guessing wrong, right? If if you don't understand what you're pricing, if you don't understand that you have to have permits and that causes problems with the local government or the homeowners association later, it's going to impact your performance and, and your success on this contract. We we covered in, in episode 97, it was called staffing is not just staffing. Talked about hiring people is one thing. Hiring people that can do a specific job well. You have to know that industry. You have to have recruiters in that particular area. You need to be able to recognize the difference between somebody who can do it, who can show up, versus somebody can do it well. And so that, that's what you're talking about here. Yeah, and if you don't do it well, what happens? Well, you may fail to perform well on the contract. And in the government world, that means your CPAR, your Contractor Performance Assessment Report, will permanently reflect that you did not deliver well on this contract. While you may have painted really well, you're the deck builders got you a crappy C parts right. <laughs> because they didn't perform well. And we talked about this in the uh, past performance as a bridge, which was episode 124. And one more risk I, again, it, I, I kind of was joking that the, there, there's nothing that's out of scope if you have an existing contract, but you can run into real problems. If, if it is three times as much work as you originally bid for, can you scale fast enough to, to be successful, right? There is such thing as, as too, too good of a problem, right? <laughs> right. All right. Now, instead of needing 20 people to do the work, you need 100 people to do the work. Can you actually do that? It, again, it comes with all kinds of challenges. So while if you are the incumbent, nothing is out of scope, there are some risks that come with that that you have to manage around. All right, Kevin, let's manage around 
getting this podcast done in a reasonable amount of time. The test of whether or not a contract is a contract changes within scope is, is it a material change to the contract? And think of it, is the work recognizable under the original contract? And like you're talking about the size of it, the, the capability, the skill set, is it going to match what this contract was originally for? In-scope changes are, are normally good for both government and industry because it gets what the government needs faster. Um, industry gets more work added to their contract without competing. So that's a good thing. Unless that scope changes beyond what the contractor can can really perf- perform on, like like I just talked about. Yeah, that's the risk. Out of scope changes can cause problems for both, right? For for the for the government, if they run through a, a change that is out of scope, they may have to deal with protests or lawsuits. May have to pay more to get subpar support, like we discussed. And for industry folks, you, you may increase your revenue, but you're adding risk not only to your past performance ratings but your ability to profitably perform the work. If, it, if it's more complicated or, or outside of your area of expertise, you're adding risk to your performance. And with that, Kevin, I'll talk to you later. I'll see you, Paul. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Contracting Officer Podcast. When you need help understanding how a contracting officer's scope determinations can impact the government's ability to buy from you, Skyway Acquisition's team of former contracting officers is here for you with training and custom consulting. Visit skywayacq.com or give us a call at 877-884-5280. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.